You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 346. In this episode, I'm speaking to Paula Rizzo about how you can avoid burnout and become more productive. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. In today's episode, I speak with Paula Rizzo, who's the founder of listproducer.com and the author of Listful Thinking. She's a media veteran with nearly 20 years of experience. And besides telling us all about how to make lists and be more productive, she also coaches experts and executives to perform better on camera and use media to their advantage. Before we dive in, I want to share a review from Apple Podcasts from Janet von Spill from the Netherlands. Sigrun Podcast gives a clear look and understanding of how you can build an online business. Straightforward and the real deal. A must listen for any online entrepreneur. Thank you so much, Janet. And I would also appreciate if you left a review on Apple Podcasts and maybe you'll hear your name mentioned in an upcoming episode. Go to signal.com forward slash 346, where you will find links to Paula Rizzo and the show notes of this episode. And there you will also find a link to sign up for my VIP notification list for the 2020 mastermind groups. VIP mastermind is already 50% sold out to existing clients. So if you want to join us in 2020, you'll need to be on the notification list and we'll open up registrations very soon. I am so excited to be here with Paula Rizzo and have her on my show to talk about how you can avoid burnout and become more productive, which sounds like a contradiction, but we're going to dive into that. Welcome on the show, Paula. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we'll figure it all out by the end. Don't worry. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I met Paula at a workshop. Uh, We were doing the content workshop with Ali Brown earlier this year. There, I also met so many amazing women. And Paula is one of those like, ah, I am coming to New York. And we thought we would actually end up meeting face to face. This is really funny. You're in New York. I'm in New York as we're recording this episode, but we are not in the same room. This is the story of New York. This is what happens when you get here. It just, you know, things are turned all around and you may not actually be in the same room, but I'm thrilled to chat with you anyway. So, (laughs) yes. So before we dive into the topic in detail, I always like to kind of understand where you're coming from, like why this topic? Because I, when I met you earlier this year, it was all like PR, media, and I'm like, why is he writing a book on that? How come this topic has become your topic? So what's the story? 
Yeah. Well, maybe eventually that'll be my next book. We'll see. But yeah, that's my background is in television. I spent close to 20 years as a TV producer here in New York, both in local news and then in national news. Most recently, I was at Fox News Channel as a senior health producer where I produced all their health and wellness content. And I was there for over a decade. And so I was able to interview people like Deepak Chopra and Jillian Michaels, JJ Virgin, you know, big powerhouses in the health and wellness industry. I had been working in this industry for a very long time. And television is to the second. You have to have things done. There are deadlines. You have to make sure if it's got to be 19 seconds, it's 19 seconds exactly. You know, we think in seconds, not in minutes in television. And so that has sort of informed how I do everything in my life, uh, you know, working through deadlines, that kind of thing. So that's how the the list making, the productivity, the time efficiency, time management, that's how that's all come through because that's how I've been super successful. I mean, I won an Emmy Award for Best Newscast. So I've been very successful using the tools that help you to produce television. Uh, and so now I sort of have two arms of my business. One is where I'm a media trainer and strategist and coach. And then the other piece where I, I write books about productivity and list making. And now I have two of them. Mm. So television, it feels very stressful. 19 seconds have to be 19 seconds and deadlines. Like you have to come up with a, especially if you're in some kind of a news position, you know, I've seen sometimes behind the scenes, I've not actually worked in that kind of a role, but just seeing behind the scenes, you can imagine in the morning you say, oh, I have to come up with three stories today and they have to be ready by 6 p.m. or whatever. Yes, exactly. That is a super stressful job. Yes. It's super stressful, especially live news, because that newscast is going to go on the air with or without you. You better have something to show. It makes you really efficient. It makes you uh, realize that you can't be a perfectionist. You have to just go with it and say, you know what, this is the, the path I'm going to take because if I veer from this right now, I won't make my deadline. And I think so often, especially for entrepreneurs, we think, well, you know, I could do this or I could do that or maybe, and then we just talk ourselves out of doing, <laughs> doing one of them where this is very almost strategic. You have to pick and you have to go ahead with that. And I wasn't really using lists and checklists and time efficiency in, in the same way at home as I was at work. And so I started to quickly notice that I was a little bit of a disaster, which was not my style. You know, I was forgetting things. I wasn't showing up on time. And I was like, what is the problem here? And I realized, oh, I do need to use a little bit of this, uh, this magic that I have learned in the TV world to be more efficient. Actually, I think some kind of a day in that life would be good for some entrepreneurs because I feel a lot of people delay decisions. And when you say, oh, you have to come up with three stories and you have whatever six hours to do that, you can't be wondering even for five minutes whether this decision is correct or not. You just take one. Yes, exactly. And it's, you know, Seth Godin says, ship it, just get it out. You got to get your, it's the same thing, you know? So that mentality has really helped me in this new role now as an entrepreneur as well, to be able to say, Hey, you know, don't take yourself so seriously, like get going with this. We got to get it out there. I'm so curious about the decision-making when you're making a decision and you have to make it so fast, you know, that probably half of your decisions are going to be wrong or it's not going to be the story that you hoped it would be. Yeah. And I think it's also about having criteria in your head right away. 
and knowing exactly what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to so that it makes it super easy to just filter. So for instance, you know, in a television situation, right, if you're getting pitched, which you get pitched all day, every day, right, thousands of pitches come through. And in a split second, you really know if that story is going to work or not, because you know, through the lens with which your audience is looking. Okay. So your only, only thing is, does this matter to the audience? Do they care? Is this of service to them? So that's the filter that I would be looking at stories that come in. And so when I worked at Fox News Channel, our demographic at the time was older men. So when I was getting pitched off about back to school lunches, I knew, nope, that's not going to work. That's not my audience. They won't care. So in the same way, I try to do that same sort of filtering for myself with the decisions and the things that I say yes to and the things that I say no to. And in, in the book, Listful Living, the new one, it's very much about picking what those boundaries are. What do you say yes to? What do you say no to? And having that criteria, but understanding what lens are you looking through? So what's your priority? If your priority is that you want to get more sleep because you're really tired and your doctor is telling you, hey, you got to get more sleep, then you're not going to say yes to networking events that are at night. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's very clear what the criteria is for those decisions. I think this is super important. Now, I talk often about like, you got to have a vision because then you know when to say yes and no to opportunities, but it goes beyond that. It goes beyond, you know, this big vision you're working towards. It, you can be lots more detailed so that you can make this decision fast. And then it helps you not to be overwhelmed because if we're saying yes to everything, that causes overwhelm and we know what that can lead to at the end. Oh, absolutely. And I know because that happened to me. I, you know, my first book came out almost five years ago at this point. It's called Listful Thinking. And I was working full-time at Fox and I was also, you know, side hustle getting this book out into the world. So not only was I working full-time at night, then I was doing every networking event. I was every podcast, everything, you know, I was asked to do. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because I wanted to get it out there. And then about a year after the book came out, my appendix burst. And that is a very dramatic way for your body to tell you, you got to slow down and start listening to me because I wasn't listening. I was in pain for two days and I thought, you know, I don't want to go to the ER because if I go, I'm going to sit there forever and it'll probably be just food poisoning and I just don't have time for that. So instead, my appendix burst. I guess I have a pretty high pain tolerance and I was in the hospital for eight days. I was pulled out of work on, on medical leave for six weeks. It took me almost a year to recover. I mean, I lost 12 pounds. Like it was really dramatic. That was life shifting. And after that happened, everything had to be taken off my to-do list. Everything at work, at home. And the whole world still spun. It was amazing. I took the ego out of it. I was like, oh, it didn't actually have to be me to do all those things. And all this stuff still got done, right? And so I think it's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves a lot of the time to think, oh, it has to be me. I have to be the one to do it. That didn't happen. And when I looked at that list again and said, okay, now I'm going to be very intentional about what I actually let on this list because now I really need to look at this in a different way. I was saying yes to way too many things and I was not listening to myself at all. Well, yeah, that is a dramatic thing. And we don't wish that on anyone. But no, <laughs> there's a lot of women feeling overwhelmed. It's probably the word that I hear the most. And, you know, we wonder, why did we come to this place at this overwhelmed? Like, are we just saying yes to too many things? Or is it something else? Is it 
Are we trying to prove something? <laughs> Some of it is. I think it's a lot of it is self-inflicted. I think we need to look at ourselves and be able to say, hey, you're the one saying yes to these things. You're the one making this a priority when it might not be. But why? Is it because you feel important? when you have that many things on your list is it you know it's a lot of this is ego driven and that is very much what i found that a lot of the stuff i was saying yes to it's like that doesn't have to be yes right now i could say yes in a month and and that's okay you know i had a bit of that scarcity mindset i want an abundance mindset i want to think of course more will be coming because you say no to this doesn't mean it goes away forever or all of your opportunities go away forever i think reframing that was a really big deal for me as well especially with the second book launch where you know now I'm an entrepreneur I'm working for myself you know you could work all day every day if you want and I purposely do not I really take a step back and say how am I going to set up my day and that's part of this book too is to realize and recognize how you work best where do you feel more charged up is it in the morning is it at night then you stack your day that way you stack what you do what you work on in that way so you're set up for success you know the first year that I was in business for myself I looked back and I did sort of an audit. I said, you know, I'm going to look to see how did I feel? And I was pretty burnt out. I was like exhausted. One day, I think I did like seven or eight calls in a, in a day my first week when I was working for myself. That's not sustainable. I didn't even know what I was talking about. I didn't even remember what it was, you know what I mean? What advice I gave. So I took a step back and I said, what would be ideal for me? So for me, I don't want to start talking to people until 1130 a.m., I like it because I'm a night person. Yeah. And I realized that I don't want to just pop out of bed, get dressed and get going. That's not me. I don't love that. So now I've designed my day so that it runs a little bit later on in the day, but it works for me. And so this book really helps you to identify who is it that you want to become? What would you like to be doing? But also looking at what are you doing now? Is it serving you? Are you okay with that? And then let's change it up. Okay. So let's walk through some steps because I love to have some steps or strategic advice for my listeners. So if someone is feeling like they have too much on their plate, what should they be doing next? Mm -hmm. So it's very important to be looking at where, where is your time being spent? How long is it taking you to do certain tasks, right? If you're looking at the end of the day, like, oh, I didn't get anything done on my to-do list. Let's look at, is the to-do list even realistic? Does it have the, you know, you can only put things on that list that you have the time and the resources to do. And sometimes it's that you're going to take that piece and give it to somebody else to do. And that's okay. But people are not realistic about what they can actually get done in a day or what they can actually get done in an hour sometimes. And so I really push people to test it out, time yourself, because I'm so in tuned with what 30 seconds feels like and what a minute feels like from my TV days. Not everybody else is like that, you know? So I really want you to become your own, like produce your own life, be able to be your own producer and really see, okay, you know what? It takes me 10 minutes to get my makeup done in the morning. So if I'm rushing around, I know I need to leave at least 10 minutes so I can get my makeup on before I get out the door or whatever. So that you at least know, can I fill this time appropriately or am I going to be late to something else? Is this going to shift and throw everything else off? Uh, so I think being realistic with how long things take you and also being able to stop and say, how do I actually feel when I do these tasks? That was a big thing for me looking through and saying, okay, how did I feel when I worked with this client? Did I like that client? Did I like this speaking engagement? Was I interested after that workshop? And now I stop myself 
and I really check in after I, every single thing I do, I stop myself and I say, okay, before I go on to the next thing, I pause. And I said, was I, am I happy? Like, how do I feel at the end of this? And okay, great. I want more of that then. I want more of that in my life. Let me make sure that I put that down. I take a mental note that I want to do more of this. So finding basically what fuels you versus what drags you down energy-wise. Yeah. So if I enjoy writing an email, even if it takes me maybe two hours, I should still do more of that versus recording a video. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Or speaking, you know, for instance, like I love speaking. I love being on a stage. I love, you know, working with the crowd. Like I love all of that. At the end, I always feel charged up right before I'm always a tiny bit nervous and I'm a tiny bit like, oh gosh, why did I say yes to this again? Why am I doing this? And it just, it melts away the second I get on that stage every time. And then I leave that stage and I'm like, yes, that's what I should be doing more of. That's what I love leading workshops, but just, you have to check in with yourself and see, you know, there are certain people that I've worked with that are draining and I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that again. You know? So you said, okay, be realistic about the tasks you can actually get done. So you're suggesting that for every day that there are number of tasks that we decide we're going to do and we actually do them. And if not, we should start to look at why we are putting them on the list in the first place. If they weren't doable, like they shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's a piece of that that you can do. So often people will write, write book. You're never going to write a book in one day. That's never going to happen. So what is the piece of that bigger goal that you can put on the list? And then you feel accomplished to have done that one piece of it. So being able to sort of reframe, because we want to do all these things, but this is much more a task list of what you can do so that you set yourself up to really get stuff done. Do you put it in the calendar? What you want to do? Sometimes I do. Yeah. Especially if I have like open spaces of time in between, you know, calls or whatever it is that I'm doing. Like for instance, we're doing this interview now and afterwards I put in my calendar that I have to send some follow-up emails to some people about my book. And if I don't do that, I will get distracted because there's nothing on my calendar after this until this evening. And so I'll get distracted and I'll start doing other things and then I'll be on Facebook or something, you know? So I need that for me to be able to say, okay, no, 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 this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is what's allotted for this hour and then sit down and do it. Not everybody works like that, but I like to take it off the to-do list and put it on the calendar when I have those open spots so that I, sometimes I tell my assistant, what should I be doing right now? <laughs> you know, what should I be working on right now? And she'll say, well, you have to do this, this, and this. Okay, great. I'll do that one. You know? So I just try to take, again, the decision-making and the guesswork out of stuff so that it makes it a little easier to actually do it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, I need it in the calendar, otherwise it doesn't get done. I don't even really have a to-do list. It's more, I know in the calendar what I should be doing next. Yeah. So let's say getting more realistic, scheduling it in the calendar, and then checking in how you feel. What is then beyond that? Some type of a self-care or... Yeah. So uh, people get self-care wrong. You know, people think that self-care has to be a week-long vacation or a $300 massage. Look, that stuff is awesome. And if you can do it, do it. But I think that puts a lot of pressure on us to say, oh, this is the big gift I'm giving myself. Instead, I say to look at it as small things that you can do throughout the day, tiny little ways that you can refresh yourself and recharge yourself and feel good. And whether that's, you know, drinking a cup of tea 
or reading a chapter in a book that you're really interested in, giving yourself that space. I even tell people sometimes to go on a virtual vacation, pick a destination that you've been wanting to go to, go to Google Maps, zoom around for 15 minutes, set a timer on your clock and go find another destination, look at some beautiful places, and then you'll feel refreshed. It doesn't have to be super long. It doesn't have to be super expensive. Just something that's going to charge you up a little bit and make you feel good. I use those things also sort of like dangling a carrot to get things done that I don't want to do. So if I'm procrastinating something, I'll say, okay, what's that list of things I really love to do? All right, if I do this one task that I've been really waiting on, I'm going to call that friend or I'm going to do this or I'm going to go, you know, for a walk to go see this, whatever, you know, so that you have it in your mind. If I do this, I get that. So like giving yourself rewards for doing things. It works. It works. Yeah. 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 Self-care is often like, I was also asked recently by clients at Sigrun, it feels like you're working all the time. And I'm like, I'm not, (laughs) but obviously if I'm doing Facebook live and pictures, it feels like I am, but I take a lot of time off. So I think overwhelm, or let's say the danger of a burnout is when you actually don't take proper time off. What would you say? Where should you start? If people feel they have a lot to do, they want to get a lot done, how do they get in that free time without, like you're saying, go on a three-week vacation? Yeah, yeah. I think also the way that you set up your week is really important. And so that's something that I looked at for myself. And there's exercises in the book too to, to get you to look at what are you doing? When are you working your best? Like Mondays for me is sort of sluggish. Like I want to be able to get charged up. And the way I do that is with connecting with people. And so Mondays are really my time when I do lunches or I do phone calls with people, introductory phone calls and stuff like that. You know, I'm not really doing as much coaching if I can help it on Mondays. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, that's my big, I'm coaching people. I'm working with people. That's, that's that. And then Fridays I've kept for creativity. And also for connection. So sometimes I'll do, do lunches and stuff with people or creativity. It's the day that I wrote my book. So I was like, how am I going to write this book with everything else that I have to do? And I blocked off every Friday. And every Friday I had you know several tasks in the day, like we talked about putting it in the calendar, of when I was going to write what part of the book. Because I had a very you know strict deadline. I put that book together. Uh, it came out really fast from the beginning of thinking of it until it was published. It was nine months. So the actual writing portion, was it was three months, which is kind of crazy. But I got it done because I was super, super focused and I used Friday to do it. And now that I'm not writing the book anymore, now I'm using Friday again for those kinds of creative things that really, that that charges me up. That makes me happy and excited. So I use that almost as a self-care day as well, even though I'm not going to the spa. You know what I mean? Like for me, that's the, the writing part is what really makes me happy. So being able to identify that in yourself is, is a really big deal as well. Yeah, I would say that you can't actually get charged with your work when you're doing different things. Like you say, writing doesn't feel as stressful as maybe having to go to some meetings or doing some calls or whatever, or creating content for your program. Writing is something that is still pleasure when you're not too close to the deadline. (laughs) Right, exactly. Right, exactly. Within reason, yes. (laughs) Yeah, within reason. What about weekends? I see a lot of people working on weekends and then they find it hard to stop. Yeah, I actually read an article the other day about how people in the UK were taking vacations to catch up on work 
which is just so terrible. It's like, we've even forgotten how to go on vacation. You know, it's like, we're even getting that wrong. And that just broke my heart because it was like, no, you can set yourself up beforehand to make sure you get enough done to have a support system. So when you take that week off or whatever it is, you are able to recharge and then come back and not feel like you're so overwhelmed. The other thing I do for self-care too, is when I come back from any trip, I give myself an extra day where I don't plan anything. I don't have calls. I don't have anything that day after as much as I possibly can. I can't always do it, but I need that because otherwise I can't just jump right back in. It makes me too frantic feeling. So I might be working, but I'm not talking to people actively. People don't, you know, I might be getting back to a couple of people on email or whatever, but it's not, I don't feel like I have to jump back in. And that for me has been a really huge lifesaver. But I think it's the same with weekends. You really have to push yourself because you could work all day, every day, you know? Um, so sometimes I need to like distance myself and actually get out of the space where I work and make myself leave because otherwise you'll just keep doing it. So that's sort of, for me, it's like change up what you're doing, you know, close the computer, go for a walk, make a plan, do something that you're not going to be stuck working. I find it best to go away because yeah, it's so easy to walk over to my computer when I work from home and when I really want to recharge, like uh, we wrapped up a launch recently and then immediately after it was finished, it was like Friday afternoon, we, we rented a car and drove to Washington, D.C. and we spent a weekend there and then we were on a scooter, on an e-scooter and you can't be checking your phone when you're on an e-scooter. So uh, that was fabulous, like felt really recharged and ready to tackle the next week. Yeah, I love it. It's really like you you made it impossible to keep working, which is great. You, you physically cannot do it. Yeah, I think at least because I love my job and it doesn't feel like work. And I think that's where it gets a little bit dangerous when it doesn't feel like work and it, you're having so much fun, but you still need to do something else. So when people are feeling like, okay, I am getting more realistic on my task, my to-do lists are actually getting done, does that overwhelm? feeling just disappear or is there anything else they need to do? Well, it could always creep back in. This is a constant effort that we have to do. Checking in with yourself, making sure you're doing the right things, that kind of stuff. Also, you know, when people ask you to do things, our instincts are usually to say, yes, of course, I want to help. I want to do this. I want to do that. So being able to have some kind ways that you say no. I find this to be a very difficult thing, especially for women, because we want to be helpful. And I look at it like if I feel right away, like it's something that doesn't align with what I'm doing right now, or I'm too overwhelmed, I say no quickly, like very plainly, very quickly. I cannot make it to that dinner party. I wish I could be there, but I can't do it. Maybe you want to invite so-and-so or whatever. So then the person inviting you has some options. You know, you don't want to wait till the last second or cancel on them like right before. So for me, I look at it almost like Marie Kondo with, does this spark joy? You know? So what is the criteria here? Is like, you know, if I'm promoting something, is this helpful to what I'm promoting or is this helpful to, you know, a person I want to know or want to meet and understanding like we had kind of talking about before, but like, if this goes away, it's okay. This is not like this opportunity is going to go away forever or you'll never have anything else to do. I think the danger is when your to-do list has become so long, you've basically said yes to a lot of things and you can't somehow get out of it. Like, let's say you have promised to do something for someone or you've even, you know, 
I'm constantly battling. I think it's my personality. Like I just want to be doing stuff for other people constantly. So I'll, I'll say yes and let's do it. And I'll have these unrealistic expectations of myself of uh, be able to do it. And somehow I get it done. But yeah, it feels like it's a constant battle though to not say yes to more things. But what if the list is just too long? Should people then go out and contact people and say, hey, I actually said yes to something I should have said no to? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can. And I find if you are very, very honest, people are fine with it. You know, just to say, look, I really overcommitted. I should have said no to begin with. I apologize. You know, I shouldn't have said yes. People are pretty open to it. You know, it's not as bad. It doesn't close as many doors as you think. And once you start doing it, you kind of get addicted to it because it's like, okay, well, I mean, you know, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. It's only what it really makes me excited and charged up. It's pretty empowering. But, you know, if the list is too long, I would say you should be looking at the list, right? What are you putting on there also that you don't need to do anymore? What doesn't serve you anymore? What, do you, what is it that things might be on there that keep popping up that you would like to do or you could do, or, but it might not be essential right now. So it might be time to just take that off the list, give yourself permission to say, nope, that's not happening and just move on. I think that's the piece of just like accepting we will never, you know, when you're ambitious, uh, like we both are, you want to get so many things done. I have this idea that, oh, I, I could create a photo book and da, da 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 And I'm like, oh, a photo book, that takes me like, you know, 10 hours if I do it properly. And then you just have to accept, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to happen. That's it's okay. Happen. That's okay. It's okay. Yeah. The world <laughs> continues it's to spin. It still spins. <laughs> so your book is called Listful Living. Where does that word, uh, you know, name come from? Yeah. So the first book is Listful Thinking. And that book is really the 101 of list making, why you should make them, how you should make them, all of the above. And then this book, Listful Living, is really a journey to become a less stressed version of yourself, to really start living these lists. So looking at where am I right now with my productivity and with my stress levels and not judging it, but just look at it. And say, okay, you're going to look at it like a journalist and say, that's what my life is like. Then where would you like it to be, right? How would you, would you like to have Fridays off? Would you like, you know, what is your, what is your ideal situation look like? And then how do you actually get there? How do you create then lists with more intention? And you're able to put the right things on your list and really get things done that are going to charge you up and make you excited and happy and a better version of yourself. So that's it. List, you know, listful living is, is really being able to live in a way that is using lists that are not going to drain you and really make sure that you're, you're living the best version of your life that you can. You know, it's interesting that you took your media background now I will never forget the story about the 19 seconds. Yes. <laughs> when something is 19 seconds, it's 19 seconds. It's not 18, it's not 20, it's 19. That this has turned into kind of a productivity tool that anyone can use. For sure. And it, it's not, I mean, yes, it helps people, it helps uh, reporters and anchors and producers all across the country get newscasts on the air, but it can also help you to really define what should be uh, happening in your in your life and how fast you can do it or not and if it, it actually needs to be on your to-do list. I love it, Paula. I am definitely going to dive in. I know the book is really fresh, so we're going to link that up in the show notes. Is there anything else that you feel like in terms of overwhelm, avoiding burnout, 
I like the concept of being a less stressed version of yourself. Mm-hmm, yeah. The issue really, you know, and this is from my health and wellness background as a, a producer for so many years, stress can manifest in so many different ways that you might not even realize. And you might not even realize that you're stressed. You might think this is just how I feel. This is how my day goes. This is what my life is. You need to take a step back and say, oh, is that why you're getting a headache around the same time every day? Is that why your back hurts? Is that why you have heartburn? Between 70 and 90% of all doctor visits are stress-related. So that's huge to be able to identify how you're feeling and understand it might not be normal. It's a huge eye-opener for people. So just give yourself the space to kind of look at yourself and look at how you feel and see, is this really working? Yeah. I think people get all kind of like you, the appendix, like it can be anything that's bothering you right now. And before you put in some tablets, maybe check if it's stress. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I took a zillion Tums and I made a zillion excuses for why I didn't have to go to the ER, but I really did. Yeah. And then it was ultimately stress, you think? I think the stress was sort of the thing that was keeping me from going to get it checked out because I was too like, oh, I got too many things to do. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Well, that's where we are so ambitious and we kind of forget to check in with our health. So health is important. I know it from my story. I was unable to work for seven months. And so making health a priority, that comes number one. It should never take over priority from your business. So Paula, I want to thank you for coming on the show. So what is the best way for people to find you and your book? Is that on Amazon or somewhere else? Yeah, it's everywhere books are sold. Uh, If you go to listfulliving.com, I have all the links there and you can get on my list uh, to get some tips and tricks on how to be more productive. And for media training or, you know, strategy, it's uh, paularizzo.com. Beautiful. Thank you for coming on the show. And I am excited to make sure that all our listeners become a less stressed version of themselves. Thank you so much. Go to sim.com forward slash 346, where you'll find links to Paula Rizzo and the show notes of this episode. And there you will also find a link to sign up for the VIP notification lists for the 2020 mastermind groups. VIP mastermind is already 50% sold out to existing clients. So if you want to join us in 2020, you'll need to be on that list and registrations will open up soon. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listen by tagging me in Instagram, on Instagram story, on your Instagram feed using the hashtag Sigrun Show. See you in the next episode.